This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted, as always, to be here with you today. In just a few minutes, and I'm going to keep this this up-top portion of the podcast very short today, because in a, a couple of minutes, we are going to be speaking with the head of the rescue group in Sweden who rescued Kelly in order to give us an update on Kelly's status as of right now when we are recording. And I don't... I know many of you are are waiting anxiously to hear what's going on, so I don't want to take you, keep you too long from that. And I do want to apologize, by the way, if I seem a little tongue-tied. I actually just finished recording the interview with with Cellini in Sweden about the status of Kelly, and I I got very riled, as I'm sure will not come as a surprise to anybody who knows me or who listens to this podcast or, or who knows where I stand, certainly on the issue of blind cats. I mean, actually, to that point, I was talking with Shalini after we finished recording. We we were chatting, and and I was sorry at that point that I had not continued to record because she was telling me, um, and and first, and she will certainly we will talk about this later in the episode. But an amazing and huge thank you to the unbelievable efforts of all of you who signed and circulated the petition on Kelly's behalf, who wrote letters to the courts or to the rescue organization, those of you who spoke as scientists, as animal lovers, as as the guardians of blind cats yourselves. Um, if, if, if we are successful, it will solely be because of you. Um, and apparently, according from what I learned in this interview, uh, many of you also called the courts in Sweden, which was certainly nothing that I had asked you to do, but uh, God love you for for going the extra mile, and um, and so Shalini was who is the, the the that is the name of the person I am interviewing, and Shalini was telling me that the the courts she spoke with some people at the courts who were very surprised uh, because the Swedes are are a very quiet non demonstrative sort of people, and Shalini was saying that she while she knows that many people in Sweden feel bad about Kelly or feel sorry for her or think that what's happening is wrong. They are not, you know, it's a cultural difference, but there's not as strong a a cultural tendency, let's say, to raise a large outcry um, when people disagree really about anything. I I don't want to tread too far down this, but you understand they they are a a quieter and more non-demonstrative people than than we Americans tend to be. And I actually said that I said, you know, we uh, we Americans, we, we can be pretty rowdy when we put our minds to it. We are the original dump the tea in the harbor, take to the streets, throw off the shackles of our European overlords, people. And we and we get her done. Americans get her done. And uh, and this, by the way, I understand that I, I know that many of you in Germany, in Switzerland, in England, in Australia, in New Zealand, who not only listen to the show, but have also advocated on behalf of Kelly. And I thank you tremendously for that as well. I mean, ultimately, all kidding aside, we are, of course, all animal lovers. And and we, you know, many of us are rescuers and, and we know that it, it's down to us 
that if we do not speak and if we do not take action, if we do not do something, then nobody will. And I really think that that actually is a universal impulse. And and I was so thrilled to see it demonstrated by so many of you who listen to this podcast. And for those of you who are members of my Patreon community um, and who listen to the bonus podcast that Lawrence and I do for our Patreon community, we are going to be speaking to this a little bit. Lawrence actually lived in Sweden for a year, so we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the um, the cultural differences from Lawrence's perspective as an American and the ways in which Swedes protest injustice versus the way that Americans protest injustice and uh, and so on and so forth. And speaking of Patreon, I do want to give a a big shout out and thank you to four new members of our Patreon community who have joined in the last few days. And that uh, those people are Angie Mendez, April Crawford, Grace Brown, and Cindy Settle. Thank you so much to the four of you and also to the rest of you, to, to all of you who support me on Patreon and you know, it, it is not just the the writing of self-published books and, and taking classes in advertising and marketing so that I can promote those books independently of traditional publishers and my ability to work independently of traditional publishers and to keep this podcast and my social media accounts and Homer's social media accounts and everything I do 100% independent and sponsor-free. That is all because of you. Uh, those of you on Patreon, and also my ability to support causes like what is happening with Kelly in Sweden or what Homer's Heroes efforts will be on behalf of of cats and animals who are affected by the wildfires out west in the U.S. right now. I've been speaking with some rescue organizations on the ground, some local rescue groups, and figuring out what their needs are. And I'm going to be letting you know what Homer's Heroes are going to be able to do to help some of these displaced animals, to help save lives, to help reunite families, you know, help reunite four-legged family members with their two-legged family members. But all of this is all because of Patreon. It is work I could not do without it or without you. And if you want to learn more about it, you can head over to Patreon, P as in Paul, A, T as in Thomas, R as in Robert, com slash Gwen Cooper. We also have a great time. We have bonus podcasts and bonus columns and writing and photos of Homer that no one has ever seen except for Lawrence and me. And, uh, you know, exclusive tote bags that aren't for sale anywhere that are only for people on Patreon and excerpts from Books in Progress. And a bunch of people on Patreon just got their copies of the original first draft for Homer's Odyssey with my editor's handwritten notes on it. So so that's pretty cool. And we've been having a good time over there. But of course, what you are all anxious to hear about is the update on what is happening with Kelly, the kitten in Sweden. And we're going to have that for you in about 30 seconds. So sit back, hang out, get comfortable and stick around for more Curl Up With a Cattail. Thanks so much for sticking around. Today's guest founded Sweden's first no-kill rescue organization, Kutschoren, 25 years ago. 
Today, it's a Facebook-based network that facilitates rescue by connecting people willing to help with cats who are in need. She also runs a fundraising foundation that raises money for animal rescue, the major part of which pays for advanced veterinary care like Kelly the Kitten's eye surgery. In addition to all this, she holds a Master of Law degree and works training people in public speaking and communication. She has a very full plate these days, so we're especially pleased that she's made time to join us on today's podcast. Please welcome Shalini Person. Thanks a lot, Gwen, for that introduction. And let me just ask you first to be here. Thank you so much. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? You please do not be afraid to correct me. You do. It's Shalini. Yes. Shalini. Shalini. All right. (laughs) I love it when I get it right on the first try. (laughs) Um, So Shalini, uh, you know, obviously many people have been incredibly moved by Kelly's story and and we are going to get into the backstory and how you became involved with her and, and, a, a fuller explanation of how these things work in Sweden, which I know that that some of my readers and followers are, are not sure they, they're quite understanding. Mm-hmm. But the first and the most important question is, what is the update? What is going on with Kelly right now, as of today, Saturday, when we are recording this interview? Okay, Gwen. So right now what's happening is we have handed in the information, the appeal to the administrative court. And they are now looking at it. We were hoping that we might get a a reply, a decision on Friday, but we didn't last Friday. So now we're hoping that we will have a decision on Monday, but we are not sure. Okay. And, um, you know, I know. So one thing that is very frustrating for me um, and I spent a lot of time in Sweden. Uh, my my husband actually used to live in Sweden, and and we still have many friends in Stockholm. So we are back and forth on on a you know once every year, once every couple of years. Uh, we were last in Sweden actually in 2019, so not very long ago. And so I can report from firsthand experience that Sweden does have the internet. And indeed, the reason I feel it's important to state this, here's what's frustrating for me. And I think for a lot of people who who follow, you know, who've been following this on on my social media. So I saw this article in Aftenbladet, which I know is one of your major newspapers in Sweden, Mm -hmm. one of your main national newspapers. And I read the story about Kelly and it talks about how the veterinarians working for the county who first made the assessment that a blind kitten would suffer mental, you know, mental harm growing into adulthood. They were speaking theoretically. They were asked to theorize on what might happen to a young kitten who went blind. And the reason I find this so frustrating in light of the fact that Sweden, I have to reiterate, does indeed have access to the internet is because there are so many blind cats out there I, I, I guess I'm wondering, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit in the first place, why the, why the, the Swedish Council for Animal Welfare was asked to give a, a hypothetical assessment rather than anybody just Googling, you know, blind cats and, and seeing what was happening with real life blind cats already out there. Well, you're putting the finger or something that I, I, I myself find very weird. It's like, yeah, it's strange. It's strange because this would not be the regular way to handle a <clears throat> a single report from a woman who saw a post on Facebook and well, was so, worried. And, and, 
All right. So give us a little bit of the background, uh, you know, because that I think is an important point too. How did all of this start? I think, again, a lot of people are asking, they don't understand if there's a rescue that wanted to save the cat and a family yeah, okay. that wanted to adopt the cat, then why is the government even involved in the first place? So let me tell you about what happened. Kelly was found uh, by someone. I mean, it was uh, she was found in a garden and the person who lived there, they contacted uh, a cat rescue. It's not the one that I founded many years ago. It's another one called Cat Commando Seed. And they uh, they took the kitten in. They took Kelly in. Then they went to the wet vet with her immediately. They didn't delay. And the first vet, vet gave them a time, like a, booked a time for uh, enucleation of one eye one week later. But they thought that was a little bit late. So so they... they um, Waited for a bit, but after one day or two days, it was worse. So they went to the vets again. Then, uh, well, in time, Kelly had surgery at another vets. And this was paid for by your foundation, right? Your foundation. And this was pay- yeah, right. we were involved from the beginning when they found her and got right. her. They because it was clear that she was going to need some sort of significant intervention yes. medically. So even when they went to, after they'd been to the first vet, I think that was when they they called and asked for, for support, wanted to know if we would support the, the cost. And of course we would. So, and then she had the surgery, which was, I mean, we were not talking many days after she was first found and she was under constant vet care. Not She was not in the hospital, but she was going in and out just to make sure that she was not in pain, just to make sure that, yeah, uh, right. what should be done. Right. I mean, normal, and, the normal responsible steps were taken, obviously, to minimize her discomfort, given how severe her eye infection was. Definitely. And I, I want to tell you and I want to underscore that each vet she went to was very surprised and even noted what the the animal hospital they noted in in her journal that she was remarkably um not what would you say she she was she didn't appear to be in pain she didn't appear to be troubled even though the vet said she had to have some level of pain because of these eyes but it wasn't even noticeable because she was behaving like any happy and, and boisterous little kitten. She was and, eating, she was playing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sorry to jump in, but but I, I feel like that's a point worth noting too. I, I mean, it speaks to, there's so, really, there just, there's no end of things that you and I could talk about, I think, on this subject. Um, but, you know, with Homer, the, the veterinarian who saved his life, Dr. Patricia Cooley, who wrote the foreword to, to my book about him, noted the same thing, that, that he was this tiny kitten with this mm-hmm. horrible eye infection, it was so bad. I, I think she she noted in in the book in the foreword that she wrote that she pulled a, a maggot out of one of what was Ooh. left of his eyes. Yes, it was Ooh. very advanced. But he was eating and he was playing and he was otherwise a happy. That that was the reason why you know the couple that brought him to her initially wanted her to put him down because they mm-hmm. were convinced he was suffering horribly. But after spending a few minutes with him, she realized that you know, he, he seemed happy and playful and he was eating and obviously his eyes were bothering him. No, no one is pretending that that wasn't the case, but Mm -hmm. she felt very strongly that once the surgery was performed, he would be like any other happy, healthy 
kitten and and he would accept the reality of this world in in which he couldn't see and i'm only you know stopping you to make that point that this is not specific to this one blind cat i know that everybody listening to the show is obviously already very sympathetic to the issue of special needs cats but that it's again important not to anthropomorphize insofar as you know because something would bother us it is not that does not mean it would bother the kitten and it's not unusual. Kelly, Kelly being okay with her blindness is not unusual. It's actually pretty standard. I would think. I think you're, you're stating something very important with that, that when you said that about anthropomorphize, uh, usually it's the no kill organizations that are accused of anthropomorphizing animals. But I do think that this is what we're seeing here uh, that Kelly's eyes, they looked so bad. She looked terrible. She looked like people didn't want to look at this. And I think much of this reaction that we see from the person who reported her and also from the uh, government officials here or the county officials is that the offense taken by humans watching something like this and we just want well, to, it bothers it to go away. Us, right. It bothers yes. us. It doesn't yes. bother the cat. It bothers us. And, and, you know, we, we, <laughs> this is yeah, why, want, this is why you can always change the channel, right? This is why you don't have to look at anything that bothers you. We live in a wonderful no. world where nobody has to look at anything that doesn't bother them if they don't want to, or that but does bother so, them if they don't want uh, to. But I think this is the case here. They've been so bothered by it and for many people I mean we were all bothered by looking at it of course we, we felt okay. empathy but, but so, so coming for- back so this is what happened so somebody saw the picture of Kelly pre-surgery mm-hmm. on Facebook and decided oh my god look at this horrible monster of a kitten who these people yep. are, are keeping alive and suffering I have to do something about it and so what happened then this person saw it and then this offended. person reported it to to on the contrary to the other people who was also very bothered but like took in the information that this kitten is under vet care is just just being like in good shape and recovering etc this one woman she reported it instead she she just acted and she from and her who did offense. she report it to so she, she reported it to to the county administrative board which is the entity responsible for upholding animal protection animal welfare in the region okay so it'd be sort of like if you know in america we have you know animal control basically in in various counties in various states across the country and they are uh-huh. the ones who are supposed to investigate and you know act, you know uh, claims of animal cruelty who rescues you know stray animals from the streets and and so it sounds like this is a similar sort of organization somebody called in and said here's an instance of animal animal cruelty and they came in to investigate that report yeah yeah like some part of animal cruelty goes like it's the county's um area of, of responsibility so yes that that is what happened okay and then usually what they do is they investigate and if the cat is or the animal is under the care of a vet of course the first thing to do that they do is to contact that vet and get a, an opinion from that vet okay um but this is not what happened in this case. So so what happened in this case then is different than what would usually happen. Well, there's two counties involved. The first one made a kind of sort of investigation, but they thwarted information that they got. For instance, the animal hospital that saw Kelly, that that 
decided that she was in a state that she should be operated on and that she could be operated on, that it was suitable for her. They talked to that vet, but instead of writing what I just said and what we have in the vet's writing that she said, instead of of getting that down on paper, they wrote that that hospital didn't want to perform the surgery from ethical reasons. They and, and was that was true? That, and was no, that true? It was that a lie. Okay. And it, why? It, and I'm sorry. I'm just so why? Why? Why would so basically so the county came into that here's this charge of animal cruelty. Mm-hmm. The counties come in to investigate. They went to the vet who was treating the kitten and they made up a lie. They said that the vet said something that he never said so that they would have a yeah. reason to seize the kitten. Is, so is this was, uh, yeah, it is very confusing case. So it, it's taking place in, in two counties. So the first county where the report was made. They went to the animal hospital that saw Kelly before she came to the second animal clinic where okay. she had surgery. So they said uh, when they talked to the vet at the like animal hospital, uh, Evidencia it's called, they asked her if, I mean, they of course asked what she thought about the cat, etc. But what they wrote was, they just summarized it, that uh in their question to the university that they later asked uh, about the opinion, in the summary, uh, in the summary to that university, they wrote that two vets took a look at the cat or uh, examined the cat and did not want to operate on her. And, and that, that was, was a lie. And that was that okay. Was so, so they've seized the kitten. They have this now fabricated statement from the veterinarian saying that the veterinarians don't want to perform the surgery. And then they went to, if I'm understanding correctly, they went to the Swedish council for animal welfare and asked them to not, not really, not really. So the first, the the first county, they just make the the investigation and they thwart the information in a a bit. So it gives the impression that Kelly is really suffering and that some a small practice uh, vet clinic wants to save her and they put save in quotation marks. Right. Uh, and then they talk to their, like they send this uh, case uh, on to their colleagues in another com- county where Kelly is, where the vet clinic, uh, where Kelly is, is situated. Okay. And that, and that county, instead of doing what would be the regular procedure and contact the vet they did not instead they contact like you said the national center of animal welfare at a university at our agricultural university and 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 we're gonna and i'm gonna get to to that in a moment this theoretical Mm -hmm. opinion offered but i guess what i'm wondering is why did they fabricate that i mean what what do they have against this kitten that they are trying to drum up evidence for why she shouldn't live why why are they working so hard to find a reason that she should be euthanized? You know, it, it, why? I, I guess that's what's perplexing. I mean, here in the United States, if, if you had a kitten who a rescue organization was willing to spend the money to, to save and a family was willing to adopt her, then that would sort of be the end of it. Now, if somebody reported animal cruelty, the government might make a, you know, the, the, the county might make a pro forma sort of investigation but if there was a veterinarian who said, no, no, I'm taking care of her. It's all good. 
that would really, they wouldn't even want to get any further involved. You know, they would just want to leave well enough alone. Like there's a vet, there's a rescue group, there's an adoptive family. There's really no need for us to be here. It seems like this county not only got involved, but they made things up to make things look worse, to make a better case for killing the kitten. And I guess that's what, why, what, what, what's the payoff in that? What's the reason for that? I I mean, I can only speculate because speculate. I'm but this is a podcast, just wildly <laughs> yeah. speculating. <laughs> All kidding yeah. aside, like, so, I mean, this is what, why are they so invested in killing this one little blind kitten? I guess, I think that's what none of us really understands. So I'm, uh, I'm wondering as much as you, because I can't, to be honest with you, I can't find anything in Kelly's case. And I've gone through it all over and over again. I can't find anything there that would explain the way they have handled it. I can't find it because it's just not in the case. It's not just in Kelly's behavior or anything. So the only, now I am speculating, the only explanation I can find is in a completely different case. Which is ongoing at the moment. So there's a previous history between the rescue and the county. Yes, there is. So now now we're getting somewhere. All right. So tell us a little bit about this previous history. And so the uh, previous uh, the previous case or or the other case going on now is is even more sad, I would say, than Kelly's case because these cats they are dead today. They are already euthanized they got killed they were uh, they were collected they were seized from a from a hoarder uh, and they were the thing was the uh, animal control inspectors that went to that place they were they needed to they needed to make a decision about seizing the animals but they didn't need to execute it on the spot and they didn't want to do that either they gave this woman one day to uh, to get help from the cat rescue to get the cats and that it was uh, eight grown-up cats and it was 11 kittens they were two to three weeks old so they couldn't move around I mean I would say they were rather around two weeks so they were like just in three baskets with their mom so uh the cat rescue was going to come the next day, and the county knew that because it was their, their animal uh, pr- protection inspectors that said so, and they even wrote it in the report. And then the county comes and takes all the cats anyhow, even though the owner got this information. Uh, and then, and then the they got the information from the rescue right on that they were willing to take them. The rescue had checked with us if we could pay for them, if they were sick or something. So we said, we can pay anything. You can just take them directly to the animal, best animal hospital and have them examined and we will cover all costs. And that is also what the rescue told the county. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you right here to say that your fundraising foundation clearly does extraordinary work if that's the case, because I know there are a lot of rescuers listening to this who can only dream of being in a position of being able to say, take these 18 cats to the best veterinarian there is, and we can assure you right now that we will pay all costs. Um, And and I'm also, and I also think, right, but I mean, this speaks to you 
But again, I, I do want to emphasize that that you are in Sweden. You are doing this fundraising in Sweden. It is not that the Swedish people are barbaric where cats are concerned. It, it no, sounds no. like there's I one, mean, you know, you are raising this kind of money. Yes, yeah, there's so there's so many beautiful animal friendly people and they are that that's fully supports no kill rescues and they are the reason why we are able to fundraise and then give that support to the rescue so i i that's my heartfelt thank you to those people they they are the ones making this possible and and we always do everything i mean like the only time we euthanize is if it is for the sake of the animals, never of for lack of lack of funds or resources. I mean, and that and that is an extraordinary <laughs> thing all by itself. And and I also, by the way, would like to add that this, you know, part of this comes back for me to an old irritation, you know, and, and I and I hate to be this person who who says this, but I think we all know. That, you know, whether it's in Sweden or the United States, I I think there's always more a a faster trigger finger when it comes to cats than with dogs. People don't don't want to exit. You know, people don't want to kill 11 puppies, uh, you know, as opposed Mm -hmm. to 11 kittens. And I always doubt. No. And and I think that that comes back to an idea that that there's still a tendency to think of cats as pests, kind of, and and not just feral cats, which I do not agree with, but at least I sort of see the logic if you're a person who doesn't like cats in the first place. Um, but even with indoor domestic cats, you know, who've been in a border situation or whatever the case may be, there is, and, and I'm an equal, I always say an equal opportunity animal lover. My point is not, you know, those are stupid, stupid dogs, man. Why do people like dogs so much? Uh-huh. First, I love, I, no. I love dogs. I just wish there was as much love for cats out there as there is for dogs. I agree with you. And I, I we see that this all the time, how, how cats are treated in a completely different way, not only by the county, not only homeless cats, but also at the animal hospitals when it comes to what, um, what vets are willing to do for dogs compared to cats. And it's not a matter of what the owner is willing to pay. It's like some kind of, yeah, they are viewed in another light. And so to go back to the, um, the 19 cats. I, and I, I'm sorry, but I do also want to, I know that there are many wonderful veterinarians um, there who are cat specific, who listen to this show. And, and I have always been very lucky to have worked with veterinarians who I know love cats as mm. much as dogs. It, it is very sad to hear about, you know, situations where that's not the case. Um, but again, we do want to say that is not, you know, necessarily typical, but but it uh, it is a prejudice that exists in some places. It's a very places. common prejudice in Sweden. And we do have wonderful vets that really proves the, the, the opposite, the wonderful vets that, that work so much with cats and that really do all they can, no matter if it, it's a cat or a dog or a rabbit. Right. So it seems so it seems like there was this pre-existing history then, basically. Yeah. So that I, Kelly is now the victim of. Yeah. So I wanted to say that what happened in the other case is that all of these 19 cats were euthanized and they were euthanized saying like actually on on false basis that it was said that they were sick. Then when we got out, because, you know, we have there are like quite much rights to get information out from the government or from the county here so we got the vet certifications from the examinations of this these cats 
and they were healthy and they so they were they were euthanized on false grounds and that was what the rescue and also my my foundation what we questioned and we really reached out on Facebook and we reached so many people who questioned the the county and what they did was they they used state television or maybe it was the radio I don't know I don't remember but they used it not to really go into counter argument and then talk about the issue but to say that they were bothered by so many people questioning them and they couldn't they didn't have time to do their job because they were busy replying to all of these uh, emails. So I think that is the background. And then the same county, they get like two weeks, three weeks after that, not even that maybe, they get a report from this woman who saw a post on Facebook. And I, I can't more than speculate, but I do think that is the reason why they acted in a they just don't like you guys they, they just don't they like don't. you guys is they what don't. it sounds like they think you they mm-hmm. think you guys are a pain in the neck with with all of your blah 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 about cats basically yep. yes and wanting cats like the no kill uh, that that's not popular because it's it's misinterpreted no i understand again, yeah as as course, as keeping uh, sick cats limping around in agony because you don't want to kill them, right? Yes, yes, yes. Right. It, it's it's often it's often portrayed in that way. So, you know, yeah. and, and I'm again, I'm going to come back to another one of my my favorite uh, grievances, <laughs> I guess, mm-hmm. which is I, you know, it's 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 always a nuisance when it's women advocating for something and (laughs) and men who are who consider themselves to be scientists don't really like hearing from women who have a contrary opinion yeah i i do think they're the the gender issue when it comes to the cat rescues who are like yeah the majority is uh, are women of course the majority of, of people so i think that that Place in also because women yeah. are awesome. Um, so, so everyone knows that boys go to Jupiter to get more stupider and girls go to Mars to be superstars. At least that's what I learned when I was eight years old. So, but it, but it, putting that aside for that, by the way, I of course love and respect Ben and and this. I'm not trying to turn this into an us versus them kind of thing. No, I do no, think I do think not. that this somewhat, you know, there's more of a sense to feel that women are complaining as opposed to men making and you know, making a point. And um yes. and and I think that is a universal kind of a thing. I will tell you, so I read this article, I mean in the English translation of course in mm-hmm. oft, in often blotted about mm-hmm. about Kelly. And it seems to me, you know, they were talking about the theoretical position uh, or, or opinion that had been offered by the government veterinarian speculating mm-hmm. as to what life with a blind cat might be like. Um, what the paper did not mention at all, they did mention that, the, you know, the petition with 10,000 signatures. And again, thank you to all my listeners who helped make that happen. Yes. Thank um, you. And, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit because mm-hmm. I do want to give my, my listeners the, the props that they deserve. But mm-hmm. it is of concern to me that while they mentioned the petition, they did not mention any of the the testimony either from people with firsthand experience living with blind cats or veterinarians and scientists. No, 
who have firsthand experience dealing with. And again, if I were a person reading this article, I would just get the sense that 10,000 hysterical people who don't know much, um, Mm -hmm. you know, signed a petition, hastily signed a petition based on a knee jerk emotional reaction and not because they knew what they were talking about. Yes, I, I agree with you there. And and the communications manager at the county administrative, sorry, county administrative board, she gets to, she, she says her opinion. She, she gives her opinions as if they were fact, undisputed fact, when they are in fact very much disputed facts. Again, and I have to, why has nobody (laughs) in a position to decide these things Googled blind cats and found the many thousands of, of first of videos and articles and, and I mean, even taking Homer, if Homer had never existed, I, you know, I'm not saying this is a, how could anybody not know about Homer? Forget about Homer. Homer never existed. Mm -hmm. There are still so many articles and so much information, so many videos, so many "Quote unquote influencers on social media. There are there are Absolutely. blind cats with hunt with millions of followers cumulatively, and uh, yep. so why are they speaking? Uh, you know the way we might talk about what would happen if we found life on Mars someday. Uh-huh. Like we we know we know with blind cats. This we is we know, and even in Sweden we know. It's not just internationally. I've been contacted, and we've been contacted with by so many veterinarians who have cats, who are blind, who have had cats, who have treated so many patients, so many pet parents with blind cats. I mean, it's not a, like you said, this is not a controversial, before this case, I wouldn't have said that this was a controversial issue. It is whether blind cats can live good and and quality lives or not. It's, It's a fact that they can't. Uh, you know, and I'm sorry to to keep har- and I'm going to stop now to keep harping on this point. I I just really want to argue with someone, and sadly, the only person I can argue with is you, and you agree with me. Yeah, uh, yeah I agree with you. <laughs> I, just, so, I, I mean, I you know, I I, I just really want to have I really want to have this fight with somebody, and uh, and I'm all the way over here in America, and it's very frustrating. But let's talk a little bit about because I know so many people listening to this podcast played a part in, in circulating that petition in writing letters to the courts or to you either from a personal, I've lived with a blind cat perspective mm-hmm. or from a more scientific, I'm a veterinarian who's worked with blind animals. Um, everybody did their, their part, but of course everybody only knows their part of it. So, so tell me a little bit, you know, I mean, we know that there are 10,000 signatures on the petition, what has, the, I mean, from your perspective as the person getting all of this information, what has the response been like? To start with, I think there's like two petitions with almost 10,000 or more each. So we're talking about 20,000 people at least. That's amazing. It. And I think I was saying this to you the other day that when Kelly wins, because I will not imagine anything else, then it will be so much because of the Americans or any other people in your wonderful network. We've had many people from all over the world intervening here, putting time into 
writing these wonderful letters, statements, opinions, sharing their professional knowledge, their experiences, uh, sending videos and pictures of their cats. I mean, there's been a response in Sweden. I've had several wonderful Swedish vets, and I, I do think that the court got so many uh, emails and, and messages from Swedish people. But I have to say the main part of the experts' opinions, that the, of the letters from veterinarians, uh, specialists in feline behavior, and also I think there were vet journalists, etc. they came from your network. So I'm so immensely grateful and touched. I couldn't have imagined this kind of support. And I do, this case should never have been a case at all, but then it was. And the county is acting the way they are. And without the uh, ammunition, without the facts that we got, the proof that we got from you, and your network, I don't think we would stand the case against the unfairness that is ruling here. You know, and, and this is something, and, um, and and I hear, you know, this this is a point that I make all the time. And and, and first, I, I would like to thank the, the Homer's heroes. Really, you guys just are heroes. And, and, and all of you, everybody who wrote a letter on Kelly's behalf, whether it was a, a scientist or, or somebody who just lives whether, in the yes. that, who wrote to the courts like I did, um, you know, but, but something I always like to reiterate because so many people who love animals or even who work in animal rescue find themselves very disillusioned with, with people and certainly stories like this about government overreach or malicious people acting from, from personal motivations mm-hmm. to, to act against the interests of an animal. It makes us, you know, it, it reminds us of why we love animals so much because this is not mm-hmm. the kind of shenanigans that animals engage in, but I always remind people there are more good people out there than bad. There are just so few yes. people in the position that, that I am in or that you are now in where, you know, everybody, everybody signed the petition and then they moved on. Everybody wrote their letter mm-hmm. and then they moved on. You and I get to see how many people we get to read those letters. You know what I mean? Like I, everybody who's, who wrote to the courts, just about everybody CC'd me. So I, mm-hmm. got, everyone saw their one letter, but I got to see hundreds of letters. You have gotten to see hundreds of letters and responses. And I always let you know, I'm so lucky to have that kind of bird's eye view that so few people get. But I do always like to remind everybody, do not be disappointed in people. There are always more good people out there than bad. It's just that acts of destruction are are loud and fast and and they they make the news and acts of creation are quiet and they take more people working longer and over a longer period of time and and they're not as noticeable but they are ultimately so much more powerful i think i agree with you and and you are so right when it comes to i mean the number of people in this case that are again like actively working against kelly from from i have to say not honest motives they are maybe five people maybe uh, top and the people who are supporting Kelly, it's so immensely many. So I agree with you. The the what I take with me and, and 
what has made all of the difference for me working with this case day and night here is hope, hope about humanity. Yes. And, and this brings me actually to, to one thing, you know, that I wanted to ask you about, and and you and I discussed this a little, you know, from my perspective, I am in this for Kelly. I, I, I am in this for Kelly, but I am also hoping that something that comes out of this is that there is one more place in the world where this ceases to be a question where the question whether, which was a question 25 years ago when I adopted Homer, there were Mm. colleagues of the vet who saved her who felt that she was doing the wrong thing. And I think there's much less of of that feeling here in the United States now. But I think what, what a lot of us are hoping is that there will be a general, however this goes for Kelly, that there will be a general public perception in Sweden that it is not that, that blind cats are, are just cats like any other cat, that they, there's nothing cruel or even particularly exotic about mm. a blind cat or allowing a blind cat to grow from, from kittenhood to, to adulthood. What is your sense of that? What is your sense of public perception in Sweden? Before this, I would have said, and even now, I would, I would say that the public opinion on this is that it's self-evident that that blind cats should be allowed to live and that they are living and that they are having wonderful, gorgeous, fulfilling, happy lives. I think that's the public opinion. But what I was not aware of before this is that it was even a question on another level when it comes to the county administrative board and for, for perhaps also some veterinarians. So, this case is really making clear to me and for to the other people involved in working with this that this is something that we must work to change that we must work to make sure we we have to make sure that this that has is happening to Kelly right now that it doesn't happen to another kitty well i and and Shalini, I, th- I think this is a we you have been so generous with your time with us, uh, because I, I know that you, that you have miles to go before you sleep on this one. Um, but, and, and I could really, I could stay here and yell at you about things we agree with all day long, <laughs> but I, I will not subject you or my listeners to that. Um, but thank you so much for, for coming on this podcast, for, for, for personally giving us an update for everything that you do. You're, you're just such an inspirational person for everything that you do on behalf of cats and animals in need. And and really, just thank you, thank you for all of it. I it's it's me. I, I'm the one that wants to thank you, and and on behalf of Kelly and everyone involved, thank you, Gwen, for all you are doing. I was looking at your website. I've been listening to your pod, and you have rallied out, rallied up a storm for Kelly. And let, now we're just hoping that this will that we, this will lead. To the result that to, we're, to the to the promised land. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, I'm going to spread this thanks around then to to my listeners and and to really to to the people to to the ten, to the twenty thousand people who signed petitions to the hundreds yeah. of thousands of you who wrote letters and and the specialists among you who have rallied on Kelly's behalf because truly I mean again I am one person and you Shalini are one person and and it is it is all of you listening who who do this incredible work and and hopefully we are, we are really really hoping 
anxiously that it's going to be enough. I, I know people are so anxious and we are hoping it will be enough for Kelly. And, um, and, and again, thank you guys for all of your work. Thank you so much for yes. listening. And uh, yes, thank you so much for listening to, to this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Please remember to check in next week and um, hopefully we will have an update on Kelly then. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.